So when I'm teaching people about public speaking or teaching people about preaching, um, one of the things that I always tell them is don't, don't start by apologizing. You've got something to say. Don't apologize. However, this morning I want to just say that I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I want to say I'm sorry for, for this one reason. I want to say that I'm sorry that of recent times I've got a bit sort of ranty and, and long and verbose when I've been up here. But I want you to know it's this, that first of all, that I love you. Thank you. But I want you to know that I do. And I notice when people are not here, not necessarily for any reason, but I notice because I love them too. And such is my heart that each one of you is freed and released in Jesus that I get a bit, well, carried away. I get carried away. I have just so much that I want to share. You know when you have your kids and, and they get excited about something because they figure something out and you run the risk of spoiling the moment by explaining the next thing and watching them glaze over because you've kind of just ruined it. Do you ever do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because you want it so much for them and you're excited that they're going into something good. And I'm like that. But I want you to know that that is nothing. That is minuscule compared to the ambition that God in his love has for your life. He is more full, more excited than I am. So I just wanted to say that because I want you to know that this is the world-changing organization. This is the one. Everything else comes and goes. But God set up his church to change the world. And his church is you. I get so excited about it. So my apologies if I go on a lot. I have yet again, I want to, you to know it's about the 25th time in a row, I have resolved not to go over time today. I do this every time, by the way. Very rarely does it work, but, but today is going to be different, honest. So there we go. We're talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So... <laughs> This is what Jesus says in John 14. He says, If anyone loves me, they will obey my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my word. These words are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So this is God's desire. God the Father's desire is that we obey Jesus. And Jesus, as you know. So, the sword. Now, there's no way of putting this other than what it is. The sword is an offensive weapon. 
The sword is an offensive weapon. And there is no doubt that the Word of God offends. There is no doubt that the Word of God offends. It is offensive. And that's hard. It offends people who don't believe, but it offends Christians as well. Suddenly the Word of God pops up with something that frankly we just don't want to hear, and we are offended. Now we've got all sorts of techniques for being offended without apparently upsetting God. And the most effective technique is this. Be offended at the person who told you. How dare they say that? And it's good because then you can be righteously offended at what God says without being offended at God. It's a good game. Sadly, it doesn't, it doesn't actually reflect the truth, but it's great. When I, I've told you this before, but when I used to work in addictions, and people used to come and see me, and they'd clearly been doing what they weren't doing. And a lot of people think that when you work in addictions, your job is to catch people out. So people turn up and they've had a drink, and you go, you've had a drink, you terrible person, how dare you, you're supposed to be, or you've been using drugs. And people are shocked when I don't say anything. What do you say? I don't say anything. Sometimes I've had people so stoned on heroin that they've come in, and in the middle of the sentence in which they're telling me that they haven't used heroin, they fall asleep. And we sit there in a sort of serene silence for about 10 minutes. I say serene, they're snoring a bit, but anyway. And then after 10 minutes, they wake up and they finish the sentence they started 10 minutes ago. Now, the obvious thing to do then is to go, how very dare you? Coming in here and seeing me with my importance and my special time that, that I'm giving to you. But then what's the point in that? Here's the deal. The person who's used knows they've used. If they've known me for five minutes, they know I know they've used. Okay, so they've got two options. I can say, you've used, and they can get cross with me. And go, it was ridiculous. And then they go and see all their friends, and they'll go, do you know what my drug worker said? My drug worker said that I was on drugs. They'll go, oh, no, even though they're all on drugs. But you know what I mean? How dare he? Well, that's just ridiculous. And instead of the issue being about this person using when he says he's not, it becomes about me and how offensive I am. Does that make sense? It just deflects the whole issue. So do you know what? You don't say anything. It's like, this is not my problem. You know, I know. Why am I going to rescue you from that? So we carry on and we talk about, you know, what's possible with a drug-free lifestyle. And this person has to sit there and be aware that what needs to happen, they're not doing, and they're lying about it. That's pretty uncomfortable. I know, sounds like I'm being easy, but actually I'm being horrible. Because they have to live with it. Well, it works the same with the Word of God. The Word of God is offensive. The Word of God is offensive. Because people don't want the Word of God to say what it says including Christians. They don't want that either, because it's frankly very awkward. You know, I mean, potential, you know, the potential financial losses are ridiculous. And then there's all the things I want to do. 
terrible. So that's what we're going to talk about. So anyway, the Word of God in the Bible, as described in the Bible, is actually three things. The Word of God is three things. Tim's already talked about one. So the Word of God is Jesus. Jesus is, if you like, the incarnation of the Word of God. God's Word made a person. The second one is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the revelation of God. And then the third one is partial, or what we've got is partial, which is the Bible. And the Bible is the interpretation of the Word of God. And in God's wisdom, He chooses only to interpret some of the whole. And some of it becomes a mystery, and some of it we have to take by faith. And some of it we don't understand, and sometimes we find it difficult to accept, and yet we don't get explanation, which we also find quite difficult to accept. Do, have you found that? Who's read the Bible? Have we come across a Bible? Yep. Tricky thing. Tricky thing. A Bible. No end of trouble. A Bible. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. How familiar are you with Jesus? Who's met Jesus? I've met Jesus. Who else has met Jesus? Jesus, what a lovely man. He's a good guy. Don't let him talk. He'll only upset you. But that's who we follow. That's who we follow. We are not here on the basis of a religion. We're not here on the basis of a set of beliefs. We're not even here on the basis of a lifestyle. We're here because of a person. We follow Jesus. That's it. That's our starting point. Praise God, Jesus is consistent. He's not a cult leader. He's not out for himself. And therefore, when we follow Jesus, we get taken on a road so starting off, it's important to know who Jesus is, what he did and what he does, and what he said. We need to get to know Jesus. I keep reading in the Gospels, and I think, if I said what Jesus said, you guys would string me up. We need to get to know him. You know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, At times, it isn't even Jesus polite. Do we know that fiery side of Jesus? But that's where we're at. Then there's the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, revelation. The Spirit that leads us into all truth. What does Jesus say? Jesus says to the Father, your Word is truth. Give them the Holy Spirit, he prayed for the disciples that they may know the truth, your word is truth. So there's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a tricky person. Who's met the Holy Spirit? I've met the Holy Spirit. He's a tricky person. He's great, but he doesn't really compromise. Jesus tells us this, the Holy Spirit's first job is to tell people about sin 
and judgment. Well, that'll put you off to start, won't it, really? Come to dinner. I'm going to tell you about your sin. Washing my hair. And other credible excuses. Yes, that's hard. The Holy Spirit's role in all of this is to be the revelation of Jesus. You will not encounter the Holy Spirit and avoid Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the means by which we understand Scripture. There's none of us smart enough to understand Scripture properly without the Holy Spirit. You can do an academic study. You can spend your life in academic study and miss the truth with the Bible. That's the remarkable thing about it. But we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell us about our now situations and our now walk and what we need to do. He'll tell us about discipline, and we don't like that. Discipline is the thing that happens to both individuals and to churches. And words of revelation about us and about others. So there's Jesus, there's the Holy Spirit, and then there's the Bible. So God's, God's word in the Bible is the revelation, but what we know is not everything is revealed. Why is everything not revealed? Well, two things. Number one, your head would explode, and so would mine. But number two, we're talking about faith. We're talking about faith. So a two-year-old, you say to a two-year-old, don't put your finger in the plug. And they say, why? What do you say? Well, there is a force we call it electricity. It operates and conducts itself through a range of things that we call conductors. In the wall here are some wires which are conducting electricity. However, you too, two-year-old, are a conductor. I mean, we've lost them by then, haven't we? I'm a conductor. Give me your ticket. That's not what I mean. Do you get what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to go, because it's dangerous. Why? Because it's dangerous. Now, trust me, if you go down that road, eventually you're going to say that thing you always said before you were a parent that you weren't going to say, because I said so. You're going to say that eventually. You are. It's going to happen. It, you say you're not because you're trendy and cool and right on, and you don't have kids. It'll happen. You'll... you'll You'll be caught out. Your kid will be standing there all irritating and out of your mouth will come your parents. <laughs> It'll happen to you. Yes, it will. It's funny, but there it is. Because when we read the Word of God and then speak the Word of God, out of our mouths comes our spiritual parent. We reflect that. 
So the Bible tells us of our humanity and our need for salvation. It reveals the great unshakable plan that God has, reveals our sinful nature, our our rebellion. It reveals our inability to save ourselves, all of which people don't like. We don't like that what we like is sin. We don't like that we can't control our own righteousness. We don't like these things. But it also shows us that Jesus, the incarnation of God, loved us infinitesimally more than any human being could love another human being to the point of death because our separation from God distressed God so much. And Jesus came and died And therefore, what separated us from God was no longer separation. And each person is invited to step into that communion, should they choose. So all these three things, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God, they agree with each other. They are never in dispute. If you want to know that what you're concluding about your life is correct or is not, check that out. And if there is any hint of disagreement, I'm afraid you've misjudged. And me too. That's then, if you're anything like me, that's then your opportunity to get cross about it. I don't know about you, but I like to have my own way. Do you like your own way? Sometimes you like your own way, you know. Linda, you're so much more righteous than I am. I just want you to know. This is what I'm like. I want my own way all the time. But sometimes at home, I'm smart enough to hide that fact and cooperate. I know what I'm like. Do you know what you're like? Do you know what you're like? I know what goes on in my head. There's an old song, standing on the corner, watching all the girls go by, which was uh, sung by Dean Martin. If you are over 128 like I am, then you'll remember this. But this is what it says. You can't go to jail for what you're thinking. You can't go to jail for what you're thinking. I think the government passes that law next year. But this is what the Bible tells us, is you can go to hell for what you're thinking. The Bible tells us that our thoughts condemn us. See, the world tells us a lie. The world tells us a lie. It says God is horrible and he's judging and condemning us. But this is what Jesus said. Jesus said this, the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world because the world is condemned already. Who condemns us? We condemn us. Who knows your sin? You do. There's the problem with the Word of God. The Word of God will tell you that. It's sharp like that. It's cutting like that. 
It'll let you know like that. It offends like that. Jesus did that with so many people. He said, well, you need to sell all your money. You need to sell all your stuff and give the money to the poor. And the rich man was upset. You need to forget about the dead that you've lost and come and follow me. People were upset. You need to stop looking after your own way and feed on me. People are upset. The law will not save you because you can't keep the law properly and it condemns you. You need me. People were upset. You cannot live this lifestyle and grow spiritually or have spiritual authority in God's church. People are upset. Have you noticed how upset people get? The Word of God is an offensive weapon. We need to be aware that God's Word offends. We need to be aware that the Word offends Christians as well. Something about God's Word in every generation since the New Testament, something has offended people somewhere. People were burned at the stake for saying that medieval priests did not have the authority to forgive sin, but Jesus did. Before that, people had been burned at the stake for saying that you couldn't buy salvation by giving money to the church. Nowadays, we get burned for very different things, including for suggesting that people need salvation at all. The Word of God is an offensive weapon, and we like to control it. <laughs> the trouble with this is that once we rub up against it, it's sharp. So, now most of you know that I kind of wage a war with my digits. I do lots of stuff with DIY and all those kind of things, and my poor old hands pay the price for my clumsiness. My latest episode is sitting on my finger here. It's not very serious, but all I did was brush up against a knife. That's all I did. I just brushed up against it, and guess what? Cut me. That's what the Word of God does, and Christians suffer as much as they But the Word of God is uncompromising. It doesn't change. It doesn't appease people. It's not there to be manipulated. It's not there to be cherry-picked. All of Jesus, all of the Holy Spirit, all of Scripture. Okay, so all of that I'm saying... I don't know if you accept all of that. Do you get that? Does the Bible ever upset you when you read it? How could God get on and do that? That all seems a bit harsh. 
This all or nothing stuff, that's all very well for the very holy people. But I've got three kids and a job, etc., etc. Bible's difficult, and yet all of it. So we have a choice about what to do with the Word of God. We have a choice because we have to recognize that it's sharp and that it is an offensive weapon. Christians who wield the Word of God irresponsibly hurt people badly because it's sharp. It's sharp. We need wisdom. But I'm going I'm to suggest four possible options for you with the Word of God. Obey. Now, you all knew I was going to say that one, didn't you? Let's be honest. I'm, I'm predictable. You knew I was going to say that one. Obey. Ignore. Edit. Or dispute. Those are our four options. Obey. Ignore. Edit. Dispute. So here's the promise from Jesus. The promise of Jesus says this. If you remain in me, ask what you will and it will be done for you. I hear that quoted quite a lot. Do you know that passage? Do you know that passage? Yeah. We like the idea that whatever we ask, God will do it. However, I have misquoted because Jesus actually said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If my words remain in you, and there's a challenge. We need to understand that God's word is sharp for a reason. It's sharp because it defeats the enemy quickly. So you have that thought going in your head and you say, enough in Jesus' name. And the enemy is defeated. This is what James says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. There's a quick solution. We said last week, no, you didn't, I did. I fessed up last week that sometimes I get a thought in my head I shouldn't have and I quite like it. So I nurture it. I haven't told you about my ability for pity parties and, and, and my well-practiced wallowing skills. Do you have wallowing skills? I, I, I can have a good wallow. I'm good at that. But the trouble is, the Word of God will cut through that quickly. So there is no need for us to ever be beaten by temptation, because as soon as temptation arrives, the Word of God will dismiss it. Remember what happened to Jesus. The Word of God prunes efficiently. It's a sharp thing. It chops through what needs to be done. We find that offensive because the Word of God will prune what we don't want pruned. That's tough, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But here's the thing. How many people have died, genuinely, how many people have died because they need surgery and they're afraid of it? How many people have died because they need surgery and they're afraid of it? In the Christian world, lots. You see, there's a cut, there's blood, there's loss, there's pain. It really hurts. And then we heal up and we're healthier than we were before. Have you ever thought of it like that? 
This is the Word of God. This is, this is the Christian move. The idea that we have pain-free growth isn't really how it works. But the Word of God also protects us completely. Anyone who loves me will obey my word. The Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's what Jesus promises. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my word. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. See, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, one complete trinity. But if we commit our ways to obeying, we're going to have to understand that some things in our lives will be cut off. The alternative to this is to ignore the tricky bits. We can ignore the tricky bits. There's a lot of controversy in Holland. I think I told you this before. There was a Bible brought out and published. And essentially, everything that referred to poor people, vulnerable people, sacrifice had been removed. And it was called the modern Bible, only in Dutch. There was absolute uproar. How dare they? There were protests about blasphemy. There was calls for the government to ban this. Then it turned out that it was a Christian organization that had produced it. And they said, hey, we were just trying to be helpful. We looked at all the bits that Dutch Christians ignore in the Bible, and we thought, well, they're a bit pointless. We'll take them out. They were doing it, obviously, to make a point. But that was the point. Then they just cut out the bits they didn't ignore. So we can do that. Can I tell you the thing that most Christians do about their baggage? And really, this is the bit I wanted to talk about. Most Christians do with their baggage. Now, you can probably imagine that I've spent 40 years, probably, maybe a bit more, helping Christians to deal with baggage. Baggage is my business. Well, what we do with baggage is we get used to it. Something is actually a spiritual problem for us. We know it is. But actually, the things that we need to do to sort it out, we don't do. And after a while, we stop saying, this is not okay to be like this. It's not okay to be like this. I want to change. Instead, we just get used to it. And every once in a while, if there's a big flashy event going on at the front, we'll come up and we hope that the Holy Spirit will just take it away without us ever having to do any disciplining whatsoever. But I know lots of Christians who have all sorts of hang-ups, and it is years since they ever read the Bible on their own. Except for the odd medical emergency, it's years since they ever prayed. And why is that? And the reason is because as soon as you encounter the Holy Spirit, He will start telling you the things that can be fixed. He doesn't do it to criticize. He does it because it can be fixed. But we don't. And after a while, you know, we can really reinterpret it and we can go, God made me that way. Can I just tell you that God did not design you to have more baggage than Terminal 5? Can I just tell you that that isn't how he designed you? You've accumulated that yourself. 
A few people have landed it on you, sometimes horrendously, but God didn't design it, but He has a sharp instrument that can cut it off from you. But we have to do something about it. Ignoring it won't make any difference. Editing it out, the difficult bits, because we are insecure about money or relationships or we struggle to forgive or we really, 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 really think, trust me, this is my life, we really think that one day by huge effort and massive achievement, we will actually displace the favorite sibling and take their place. And our parents will go, I am really sorry. For all these years, I haven't properly appreciated your extraordinary talents and how fantastically wonderful, more wonderful than your brother or your sister. You actually are. Come in and be wonderfully secure. This is my childhood, by the way. After a while, you realize it ain't going to happen. Either because that isn't what your parents do and you're paranoid, or if your parents really have made that choice, trust me, nothing you do is ever going to reverse it. If it was, it would have happened by now. But anyway, there we go. But we we cling on to that. And the Bible will say, let me cut that off. No, let me have one more go. This time. That was my childhood. But the Holy Spirit will reveal the cutting edge of the Word of God and it'll slice it off. And then I am no longer a slave to sin or to expectation or to money, or to fashion, or to other people's opinions, or my low self-esteem, or the things that I get self-righteous about, and the things I get judgmental about, and the things that really irritate me, and the areas of my life in which I feel utterly trapped. Cut off. That's good, isn't it? No, it's scary. Let's ignore that. Moving on swiftly, let's not do too hard, too hard, let's move on. So what do we do with this? Well, we need, first of all, to have an attitude. We need to be teachable. We need to be willing. If we have given up ever looking in Scripture, ever being prayed for, if we know there are things that impede us, but we just never, ever talk to anybody about them, ever, or we go, well, it's how I am. They won't change, but they can. We need to be understand that there is cutting to be done. We have to understand that pain is not death. If our leg is broken, resetting it is going to hurt. Do you want your broken leg reset? Yes, I do. Why? Because at best, I'll be hobbling about for the rest of my life. At worst, I'll actually get gangrene and die. But it's going to hurt. Do it! That's what we say. Just, just get on with it. Just do it. I once broke my finger right there. You know that bit there? I told you I hate my fingers. Hit it with a hammer, putting in laminate family mocked me because I took a day off church on a Sunday to get this floor finished and broke my finger. He said, God's judgment. (laughs) 
Now, because I have absolutely no pride whatsoever, I didn't want to give in to the fact that it was a disaster because I'd missed church, so I didn't do anything about it until the next day. And then I was in the middle, I was actually in the middle, I was doing training. And the class that I was training said, Graham, you really need to go. And, and I was saying, you know, the sweat was running down my face with the pain. And my finger was about this size. Anyway, I went. And they looked at the finger and said, yeah, 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 well, we'll need to take the pressure off first. And do you know what they did? They took out a drill. Not even an electric one. And they said, we're going to put this on your fingernail. Are you feeling squeamish yet? Yeah. What did I say? No, I'm going home. I'll call you when my arm falls off. I said, do it. Do it. Because I need it. Can we do that with our Christian walk? Can we do that with our Christian walk? Can you do that with your Christian walk? I don't know. We need to get to know Jesus and everything he said. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to lead and obey God's word because then we become good. 90% of the battle that is spiritual is inside the Christian because the battle in the world, Jesus has already won. The challenge isn't to go and defeat the world. The world's already defeated. Jesus says, in this world you'll have trouble, but do not fear because I have overcome the world. That is not the problem. The problem is us. And what God gives us is weapons so that the influence of the evil one on us can be cut off. Let's just be honest one with another. One of the things I've always tried to do here, I hope that you appreciate it, is I never want you to think that there's anything particularly great about me. I always want to tell you what I struggle with, where my flaws are, what I battle with, what I've not overcome, what I've done in the past, so that you understand that God needs to win victories in my life as much as he does in yours. But the world outside is not our problem. Jesus has overcome that. Satan's battle is with you and I to make us ineffective as Christian individuals and ineffective as a church. And we need sharp swords to deal with that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know, you know what we carry that we don't need to carry. You know what we battle with that we don't need to battle. You know the choices that we make that we think will make things better but actually make them worse. You know what we look at that we think will simplify our lives and make them more complicated. You know who that we are involved with that complicate. You know the images we look at and the voices that we listen to. You know the prejudices, the hurts, the unforgiveness and the fear that we carry that weighs us down and doesn't allow us to be free. Cut it off. Cut it off. Help us to be friends with the truth. Help us to open up and own what we need to change. To be frank and honest with you, Lord Jesus.
to listen to your Holy Spirit and see in your Word that the promises are that you only wish good for us, and that we are not being sliced up, we are in treatment. We are not being killed, we are being operated on. Lord, let us, let us grasp your freedom, I pray, in Jesus' name, again. Amen.